The Water Coolest daily financial newsletter is now powered by Barstool Sports. It's the only newsletter that I read every morning to stay informed on what the hell is going on in the markets. You can check it out at barstool.link slash watercoolest. That's barstool.link slash watercoolest. W-A-T-E-R-C-O-O-L-E-S-T. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Tea with Publicity. If you're watching on YouTube, you may notice I'm laying in bed. My hair looks like a freaking mess and I'm not in studio. It's a holiday weekend and I am off of work all week. Barstool was nice enough to give all of their employees off for this entire week, which like pumps me up. But also I just wanted to like have a morning this morning where I slept in, really enjoyed myself. Let me recap my last few days. Then we're going to get into a really special episode with Whitney Angel, aka Whitney Bykoff or Bischoff. I forgot how to say it. You may remember her from Chris Sewell's season of The Bachelor. She is now a fertility nurse. So I heard your cries. I heard you guys wanted me to have someone like her on and she answered all of my questions about freezing your eggs, about um, IVF, about endometriosis, PCOS. And it was such a really, 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 really well-informed interview. So we'll get to that in a bit. But first, let's just chat. So it was 4th of July, obviously, this weekend. Um, I'm recording this on Monday, as you guys know, as I always do. And I really just had such a nice weekend. So I decided to go down the shore Thursday and then I just kind of like hung out that night with my mom. We watched some TV, went to bed early. I started a book on Thursday and oh my God, wait guys, you're going to ask me the names of these books that I read and I know myself and I already forget them. I'm one of those people. I read something it's in one ear and out the other. Like I don't, I don't retain anything, but let me get the names up. I found a new author that I'm freaking obsessed with. So it was called Before We Were Strangers, A Love Story by Renee Carlino. And then the second one was also by Renee Carlino. And it was called Swear on the Life, I think. Swear on the Life, both by Renee Carlino. Oh my God, am I okay? I um, found my new favorite author. So I read one book Thursday, finished it mostly Thursday, finished it Friday morning, Friday morning. I was at my shore house. Um, my friend Jill came, we went to like a family barbecue, super fun Saturday. We went to seaside park for a barbecue and I was going to go to the barstool shore house to meet up with all my coworkers. But like our timing just didn't work out by the time I had gotten down there and ate dinner, they were already on their way to the bar. So I was like kind of bummed that I missed them. And then they texted me Sunday being like, Hey, come meet up. And at that point I was already back in New York because I came back here to, you know, just like watch the fireworks in New York. I wanted to be in the city on Monday because I had to record this intro and I have my personal trainer today. So it was just a really nice relaxing weekend. And then yesterday on Sunday, I read the second book and finished that one basically like 80% yesterday and then woke up early this morning and finished the rest of it. So I've been like on a reading kick. Um, I've gotten some DMs that people want me and Fran to start a book club. 
I don't know what that would entail or what that would even look like. But when we're back in the office after the holiday weekend, we're like, okay, let's just chat about it. Let's see, like, is it something we do on social media? Is it just a Facebook group? Like, how do we do this? So we're going to discuss. But yeah, I'm trying to think if there was anything else I really wanted to update you guys on. I guess my weekend was low, like a mix of fun, a mix of low key and just a mix of like good vibes, which I really, really needed. I am feeling like I want this next week that I'm going into to be a really, really good balance of self-care and also laziness because I'm off. So I want to enjoy that, but I also want to take really good care of myself. So like if that means sleeping in, great, but then I want to cook amazing meals and get out for walks and work out and continue to read. But also like I want to watch the show Sex Life that just came out that everyone's raving about on Netflix. And I want to finish um, like the show Legacies and watch The Bachelor. And, you know, I really want to have a balance this week while I'm off because it's so rare to have just like a rogue week off in the middle of the summer. So I'm really excited. I'm going to really take advantage of it, but I couldn't let you guys go a week without an episode, especially an episode like this, which is such an important one because my conversation with Whitney really made me feel like, okay, freezing your eggs is less scary than I thought, less expensive than I thought. And knowledge is power. And like, we have the ability to be proactive and take fertility into our own, our own hands as women. And, um, I really thought it was just an empowering conversation. So I hope that you guys feel the same again. Sorry that things look a little bit different this week. I feel like I'm half asleep. I did this without coffee, but again, it's a holiday weekend and I need you guys to listen to this episode. And I love the tea tribe. I saw so many of you this weekend, like, I feel like it's getting to the point where I see someone from the tea tribe, like five times a day. And it's so nice to connect with you guys. And like, I love stopping and taking photos and every single person that I meet is just like me. Like, I feel like we're best friends instantly. And it's just so nice to connect and be like, wow, these girls are badass. Um, so always say hi to me. Don't forget to join the Facebook group. We're constantly chatting on there. The link is always in my bio and in the show notes of the podcast. And then if you're watching on YouTube, subscribe. I love that. Um, I feel like I have no voice, guys. Just wanted to quickly interrupt to tell you guys about Taser. You've heard me talk about it before. If Whether you have a family or you're just trying to protect yourself, it is so important to feel empowered to do so. The Taser Strike Light is available without a permit in most U.S. states. I have one, and it makes me feel super safe riding the subway alone or walking alone at night. You can get the Taser Strike Light at taser.com with promo code T, that's T-E-A, and you could save 15% now at taser.com with promo code T, spelled T-A-S-E-R.com, promo code T. Restrictions apply. You could see their website for details. Again, it's one of those things where it's like, why not feel empowered to protect yourself? It's just like a little bit of insurance I feel in my bag. I, you know, sometimes put my hand on it when I'm on the subway, when I feel like I'm maybe being in a little bit of a threatened position or just feeling unsafe or alone. 
I think it's such a great way, especially if you're someone that lives in like a rural, rural area and you're walking your family and you have your dog and you have your kid in your stroller and you never know who's going to pull up to you in a car. Like it's just such a good way to arm yourself and feel like you're able to protect yourself. So don't forget to go to teaser.com and use promo code T. Okay. Here is the interview with Whitney. Stick around to the end because we are going to spill the tea. Okay, guys, I am here with Whitney Angel. You may know her from Chris Sewell's season of The Bachelor. Um, Whitney, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I was so excited to get that little DM from you. You slid into my DM. I know. I was so happy that you responded because I wanted (laughs) to bring someone on to talk about fertility, but like you were the only person I DM'd. I was like, I need her to see this. Oh, (laughs) I I am your girl. I'm your girl. I feel like you've become like the Bachelor Nation fertility, like fairy godmother, just like spreading your wisdom to everyone. Oh my gosh, that makes me feel so amazing. I love that. I, everyone needs to start calling me that now. <laughs> yeah, that's really what you are. So tell me a little bit about like your title. I feel like even when you were on Chris's season, your job was such a big part of like who you are and something that mm-hmm. you held close. And I think it's cool when people are off the show and they still stick within their career. Um, It's obviously something you're super passionate about. So just tell me like what you do and then we'll kind of just jump into things. Absolutely. So I am a fertility nurse that now specializes solely with fertility preservation, whether that means freezing your eggs, freezing embryos. My kind of history in the field is I did start in an IVF clinic and worked with your typical IVF patients. I worked with women that were what we call third party, um, meaning that they were having to utilize either like donor sperm or donor egg, hence the third party for pregnancy. And when I was working in that, with that sort of group of women, that's when things changed for me a little bit because I was hearing day in and day out from these women who were grieving the loss of not having to have, be able to have a biological child of their own. You know, they had missed their window. It was very eye-opening for me to hear them over and over again say, I wish I would have frozen my eggs. I wish I had the ability to do that. Cause you know, for them, a lot of times it wasn't an option or, you know, I wish I would have paid the money. You know, there's no amount of money I wouldn't pay now looking back on it. And it was like a light bulb that went off in my head. You know, I'm hearing this day in and day out. So that's when I made the decision to freeze my own eggs. And then during my process of going through that, even having the experience of being a nurse in the field, I realized how isolating it was and the stereotypes surrounding it and how little people knew about their own body, that it did become this sort of passion project for me. And I wanted to be able to educate women on their options because women just really didn't know. And the platform from The Bachelor really, you know, helped helped me kind of get that off the ground. And, you know, my boss at the time and um, our laboratory director reached out and was like, I have this idea and would you want to kind of spearhead it with me? And I was like, absolutely. And that's where Oliva was born. That is so cool and so rewarding like you said Mm -hmm. I'm so I'm 30 I have a sister that's 33 so just hearing from my friends her friends everyone's starting to get pregnant or try Mm -hmm. (laughs) try or thinking about freezing their eggs or Mm -hmm. or starting to freeze their eggs and we're kind of in this like 
age range where I'm hearing about this more. And the more I just talk to like my peers and my friends, I realize how much different information each person has or how Mm -hmm. differently doctors advise people like I've heard some friends be like oh well my doctor told me you know they're not going to even check me out or do anything until I'm a year into trying whereas I live in New York we're like super progressive it's very Mm -hmm. much like at least for me when I want to start getting pregnant like I'll probably go to the doctor right away to see just you know Mm -hmm. check me out Let's right. jump into things. And I just hear so much like conflicting information. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you get that. Well, yeah, because I think that you hit the nail on the head with areas that you live in, being more progressive or not, and then also who you're talking to, what sort of doctor are you asking these questions to, you know, because they're going to have different experience and knowledge on the topic. And I also think for me personally, I feel like knowledge is power. So I rather mm-hmm. know more than know less. Um, that's just how I personally feel, but I'm going to jump into questions that people wrote in just because I think that they were, you know, obviously these questions are so personal to people Mm -hmm. and there are things that we all could be like, oh yeah, I've thought about this too. So, um, I think a big thing that came through was people being concerned about being on birth control for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. Is there, um, anything that you could tell us about? women that have been on birth control for many years? Does it affect your likelihood to get pregnant? Does it not? So that's a really good question and something that I get asked every single day in the clinic. And I think it's, you know, the demographic of women that are kind of in this childbearing age, we were put on oral contraceptives like candy when we turned 14. You know, it was just like, you just do it, even whether you needed it or not. Um, And now there is this kind of fallout where we're seeing a lot of women experiencing infertility. And the first thing you do is you think, what's the cause? Could it be the pill? Mm. And there's been a lot of studies done on it. And there's really no direct correlation to the pill causing infertility. But what we see is that if you think of your ovary as a machine and it has an on and an off switch, what the pill is doing essentially is turning your ovary off. Mm. So if it's been resting and sleeping for years and years and years, you know, if you go to flip it back on, sometimes it might be a little bit rusty and we call that ovarian suppression. So sometimes we see that women that have been on the pill for a long time, when they come in and get their hormones tested, everything is super low or suppressed. So those women would benefit from coming off of the pill for a period of time and then rechecking those hormones. And we do see oftentimes that by coming off of the pill, the hormone levels come back up to somewhat of a normal level. So I do think it does play a role to what extent there isn't the hard data there. Um, But I would say that those sort of studies are on the horizon with as much as we're seeing with the increase in infertility. I think that you just explained that in such like an easily digestible way with like the on and the off. Like, yeah, I completely understand what you're saying. Um, Yeah, I think that's always been a fear. And like you said, there's not such concrete evidence. So people are always like, well, this person said this and this person said that. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, I guess what it sounds like to me would be if you're planning to get pregnant, go off birth control, you know, three to six months before, try to get your body on track. Because Mm -hmm. everyone's different. I know some people come off birth control the next month they're pregnant. Some people, it takes longer. And I think that's something that you have to remind people all the time. You can't compare yourself to others. I mean, 
every single woman is different. You can't just say that every 30 year old is the same. Yeah. You know, we look at age as being one of the biggest factors when it comes into ovarian reserve and, you know, how quickly it's going down, but it's not the only factor. You know, there's genetics, pre-existing medical conditions, medications, environmental exposures, many, many things that are affecting a woman's reproductive system. So we have to take it all you know, look at it as a big picture versus just one kind of aspect of it. So when you talk about ovarian reserve, I was at a gynecologist who, by the way, didn't vibe with. Like I just, you know, when you <laughs> go to a doctor and you're like, that's just not my doctor. Yes. And so I don't even know if I agree with what she said, but I asked her, this was probably about a year ago. I think it was like mm-hmm. in COVID. I just was having like a UTI or something. I went to her, got a checkup and I was like, you know, is there any way to check like my ovaries to see mm-hmm. how many eggs I'm carrying? I'm turning 30, whatever. And she was like, oh no, 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 no. Like we don't do that because it changes month by month. I don't know if uh, I know. Okay. And that's why that frustrated me because I was mm-hmm. like, I just want to know. And she basically like, ugh, like put me to Dismissed the side. It. Yes. So is there a way to check ovarian reserve and how many eggs you're producing each month? Like how could women that are concerned about this figure mm-hmm. out if they're like super fertile or if like you're hardly producing any viable eggs every month. Yeah. No, I love this question. I love this question. So ovarian reserve is this broad spectrum term and it has two subsets underneath it. And that's the quality of your eggs and the quantity of your eggs. So both are different, Yeah. both extremely important, but they're evaluated separately. So if we look at the quality, there's really no pre-test or blood test or ultrasound that we can do to know the quality of your eggs. Um, the gold standard would be to extract your eggs, fertilize them with sperm so that all of the chromosomes are there and then kind of see how it looks. So we kind of have to take that, right. We have to take that aspect of ovarian reserve and put it in a bucket off to the side, Mm -hmm. but the number of eggs or the quantity that you have remaining can be assessed through blood test and ultrasound. So at our facility at OVA, we call it our overview testing because it's an overview of your fertility and it's comprehensive. It needs to be comprehensive. So there's a lot of stuff on the market where it's like, I'll send you a kit. You can prick your finger, send it back in. You'll get a result about your fertility. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that's only one piece of the equation. Mm. We need to do an ultrasound. We look at actually need to look at four different hormones in the blood. And we really need to take, um, you know, a history of the patient to see what sort of pre-existing medical conditions may they have. What is their age? How is that all going to play a part? But those results will come back. So the ultrasound to look at the follicles on the ovaries and the four hormones that need to be done at a certain time in your cycle to be accurate has to be done within the first five days of your period for us to get an accurate read. Mm. So those come back and we like to put it in a report for you. And then I call the patients, we review them together so that it's not just like a standardized printout that you're just like supposed to then go online and figure out, you know, what this all means. We would review it. And then at that point, that's when you get in front of a doctor and say, okay, so let's talk about treatment. So to answer your question about ovarian reserve, yes, there's a way to check it. It needs to be done comprehensively and at the right time in your cycle to touch upon what your physician said. I mean, yes, your fertility, your, you know, if we did your hormones this month and then next month you came in and we did them again, there's going to be some variation. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to be the exact same every single month. I mean, obviously things are going to fluctuate, but it at least gives us an idea if you're in kind of the normal range of where you should be for your age or are things starting to slow down? Do we really need to have a serious conversation about 
you know, treatment, management of expectations and what, you know, is, is going on with your body. Hmm. It makes me just feel like, what's the harm in being proactive, you know? Totally. I say that all the time. You don't want to wait till there's a problem and then try to hurry up and fix it. You know, we don't go to get pap smears every year just so, you know, just because it's fun. We're doing it to be proactive. You know, we don't want to wait till there is, gosh forbid, some sort of cervical cancer and then we're trying to fix it. Yeah. It's the same thing with your reproductive health. You kind of have to get in front of it. And the facts are out there. It's in the data. We know that women are born with all the eggs that we'll have in our lifetime. And by the time a woman starts her menstrual period, she's lost over half of the eggs that she was born with. At 30, we see a little bit of a dip or a decline in everything. And then at 35, that's the steepest dip. So and it continues to go down pretty rapidly after that. So it doesn't mean that when you turn 35, your eggs fall out of your body and that you're sterile and doomed. Like I said, there's many things that are going to impact that. But I don't think women understand how critical that age range is. Mm. Um, you know, women are waiting longer to, you know, start families, even if they have met the right person. Maybe it's nothing to do with the person. Maybe yeah. they just don't know if they want kids or they have a career that's taking off like you or they want to travel the world. Um, you know, you can't just then forget about this big factor with your with your reproductive health. I think there's a lot of, at least personally speaking, um, anxiety around for me at least it's like okay if I freeze my eggs then am I giving up on the chance like the opportunity of like meeting someone or like it feels kind of as a woman like you're even even though you're doing something for yourself it almost feels Mm -hmm. like you're failing like do you see women kind of struggle with like the mental aspect of it yes but I think 10 years ago, that was a lot more than now, because I think women are talking about it. And Mm -hmm. those stereotypes are, you know, starting to kind of be, um, or decline, because it isn't, I mean, you look at some women, they're like, man, you know, this is not where I saw myself at 30. You know, if I, I always saw myself, you know, married two kids by now. Well, you know what, got news for you. Life is never as we plan it. Mm -hmm. Take it from me. I mean, (laughs) I yeah. thought for sure that I had my life figured out and it's gone every bitch which way. Um, and I've always known though that I have the constant of my eggs frozen. I think there's a way that you can spin zone it a bit though and say, okay, you know, yeah, I'm, I have the ability to freeze my eggs. You know, thank God I'm doing this for myself because I'm a badass and I am not going to wait or settle for a man. And I'm going to, you know, find the right person for me and live my life while I'm doing it to where you look at it as a sense of empowerment versus an act of desperation. Yeah. And maybe it also kind of takes off that pressure of, I need to meet someone this year. I need to meet someone in the next Absolutely. two years, whatever it may be. I, I mean, that that's exactly what it did for yeah. me. So I was going to ask that. So you froze your eggs when you were single and then you've yes. met your husband. I froze my eggs a couple years before I went on the bachelor. Oh, so it was even before The Bachelor. Um, yeah. So I was really young when I did it, and I wouldn't have known to do it if I hadn't been working in the field, like I mentioned. Yeah. But it is one of the best decisions that I've ever made. I got a lot of backlash from friends and kind of like saying, why are you doing this? You're so young. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to meet somebody. You're going to be fine. And then some of the toughest critics were the ones that ended up becoming patients of mine and calling me several years later and being like, I need to freeze my eggs. You know, Mm -hmm. now I'm 35 and I haven't met anybody. Um, And I think even with all the fallout of The Bachelor and that uncertainty with that relationship, which, 
you know, thank God it happened how it happened. There was that moment where I was like, I'm so glad I have my ex because now I'm starting right back over and I was able to go out and date and I met my husband and it wasn't something that I was worried about. I didn't feel like I had to be rushed into something. And even now being married, I have a two-year-old son, but we're not necessarily ready to have another baby. Of course, everyone's asking when we're going to, but I know that I have those ex. And so there isn't this feeling of having to be rushed. It's just a calmness that I have. Wow. That's, yeah, that's actually really nice. Um, I think a, a big thing that I got from so many people was I want to freeze my eggs, but I don't have the money to, mm-hmm. um, are there more affordable options or could you give us an idea of what payment looks like, or yeah. maybe there's payment plans, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. I would just love to get like a general sense of yes. what we're talking about financially. Yes. This, you know, this is a big concern for a lot of women because you can't get around the fact that egg freezing is expensive. It's an investment. And unfortunately, a lot of insurance companies are not on board for it. And hopefully that will change. But for the women right now that are going through it, they need some help and some assistance. So I can only speak for our facility. I don't know what is going on all over the country, but I can say for you or for your listeners that sometimes cheap is not always you know, the best, you don't necessarily want to go to the cheapest place. And sometimes just because it's super expensive doesn't also mean that it's Mm -hmm. better. So you really need to kind of dive in and advocate for yourself. One cycle of egg freezing at our facility is around $6,500. That is a packaged price. So everything's included. You're not going to get hidden costs or fees, you know, that are being billed to you after the procedure. It doesn't include medications though. That's the only additive cost and the medications are, you know, going to be ordered for you depending on your fertility. Payment plans is something that we do offer at OVA, which I don't feel like I see a lot of places where, you know, again, we acknowledge the fact that this is an expensive treatment and we want to be able to assist women to be able to make this happen for themselves. So we have, you know, a team that talks with the patients and, you know, we're really good with working with them, you know, with those payment plans so that they're able to make this choice for themselves. We don't want money to be a factor, even though you can't take it out of the yeah, equation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then is it true that you have to then pay monthly though to actually- So, so storage. Yeah. Yes. So um, storage at our facility is inclu- the first year's included. And then after that, it's $500 a year. And something else I think that's important that I want people to know is that you want to be sure you know where your eggs are stored. You would assume that because your eggs are being retrieved, that they're going to be stored where they're retrieved. A lot of times they want to ship them somewhere. At our facility, we keep them stored at our laboratory. So they never leave until you're ready to use them. But it's, you know, there's other places where they'll keep them for like a month and then they're going to ship them to another state. And eggs are extremely fragile, extremely fragile. So once they leave the hands of somebody in the laboratory, you really don't know what's going to happen with them. Yeah. You don't know where they're stored. And then you're going to have to move them again when you come back to use them. So just be cautious and you know ask the questions about the storage as well. Okay. So many thoughts going through my head. One, it's not as expensive as I thought, actually. I thought it was like, you know, you hear these things. People are like, oh, it's, you know, $20,000 and then $3,000 a year. And I'm like, okay, $500 a year, like that's doable. Yes. And also you're going to laugh. But my other thought is I was thinking about maybe treating myself to a Chanel bag. (laughs) Now I'm like... (laughs) 
Okay, Chanel bag or egg freezing? Yeah, so now I'm like, for the same price, I could also just freeze my eggs and like maybe have children on the road. That's hysterical. But you're so right. And I think that's hard too, because a lot of people in our generation, millennials, they want to put their money where they see it, you know? You know, some people wouldn't mind at all doing, spending the money for a nose job or for boobs. But the fact that this is not something that you can see right now, it makes it a harder, you know, it's harder to put that money in there. 100%. People are going, buying Cartier bracelets and going on luxury vacations, but they won't. So like that kind of put it in perspective to me as I'm like hearing you talk through it. I'm like, okay, like if I save my money, like we could do this, this is feasible. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, that that actually puts me more more at ease. Um, let me go through some questions. I got a lot of questions about women with um, what's it called? P O P C O S. I don't PCOS. even know what P C O S is to be honest, but okay. everyone's asking about it and it, how it impacts fertility. Okay, P C O S stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. So poly means a lot. Cysts means the little guys that are on your ovaries. Mm. Um, And it's an ovarian syndrome because it's an ovulatory disorder. So a lot of times women that have PCOS do not get regular periods. Um, But occasionally people can have PCO, like polycystic ovaries, or have the tendencies or symptoms of PCOS without the, without the actual syndrome. So Mm. let's break it up here because it can be like very complicated because it's not like you can go draw your blood and it's going to say you have PCOS or you don't. Mm, Interesting. A lot of times the first sign of it is that you're not getting your period. A lot of times patients that see that they have increased acne um, as adults, or maybe some increased facial hair or problems losing weight that sometimes will trigger a test for it in addition to not having regular periods because women with PCOS have increased testosterone circulating in their blood. They also have some insulin resistance, which kind of impacts their weight. When we look at their ovaries on ultrasound, it looks like they have a string of pearls around the ovaries. So there's a lot of them. There's a lot. And then the hormones were able to kind of also tell based on those results that they may have a lot of follicles. When it comes to egg freezing, it's important for us to know if someone has just PCO tendencies or PCOS because, and even with IVF, the medication protocol is going to be much different because they're going to respond extremely sensitive to the medications. So we have to keep a close eye on them. We don't want to risk them having a complication, which is called ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome. So you want to keep watching them very closely because they're going to stimulate very fast. Hmm. But the other thing that comes to play is they have the quantity. When we go back to ovarian reserve and those two subsets, they've got the quantity, no problem. But a lot of times the quality of their eggs is not, is not wonderful. So um, it's something to think about when you're thinking about the goal number of eggs to freeze. If you have something like PCOS, um, you know, it's something that you would want to discuss with your physician about which, how many eggs should I freeze? Or, you know, do I need to do further testing for this? Or is there any medications or anything that I could take? Okay, that's really helpful. Um, Is the process of IVF and freezing your eggs basically the same? Yes. So if you think of IVF as this big circle, egg freezing is half of it. So it's any woman that's going through IVF is doing the exact same as the woman that's freezing her eggs. It's just that in the laboratory, which is a big, also another big component and that patients need to look into is who's freezing their eggs. Mm. It's not the doctor, it's an embryologist. The laboratory is freezing an egg 
or a laboratory is fertilizing the egg retrieved with sperm and freezing an embryo or transferring an embryo. So it's more of what's going on in the lab, but the stimulation in the prep is the same. Okay. Interesting. That's what I thought just, again, based on asking around and talking to people. Um, what is the actual, could you talk us through the actual process? Because yes, I think it's like what, like 10 days and you have to give yourself injections, but I want to hear it yeah. from you. <laughs> okay. So it's 10 to 14 days. So okay. you were right on the head there. Um, 10 to 14 days with giving yourself hormonal injections. The injections are given every single night and sometimes in the morning, there's two to three, depending on your protocol. And then throughout that 10 to 14 day window period, you would be going into the clinic for what we call monitoring. So monitoring is blood and ultrasound to see how you're responding to the medications you administered. So if we need to titrate the medications up or cut you back a little bit, we can do so and do so safely so that you have the most optimal response. So that's what's going on over that, you know, about two week period. And after that two-week period, you give yourself your final shot, which is called a trigger shot. And we time the retrieval for around the time that you would ovulate. So about 36 hours after is when the retrieval would take place. The retrieval is done transvaginally. So there's not going to be any cuts, incisions, or sutures, or scar that would show everybody that you froze your eggs. Um, It's done under twilight sedation. So you're not going to feel or remember anything. And it's pretty quick. It typically is about 15 minutes. Um, and then you'll know how many eggs were retrieved by the time you go home from the facility that day. And then at OVA and in our laboratory, which is a parent IVF laboratory, we only freeze mature eggs, which is important as well. Some facilities will freeze everything. So they'll freeze immature eggs and mature eggs. The problem is, is that when the women come back to use those eggs, immature eggs are likely not going to survive the thaw or be able to be fertilized. So it's giving the woman inflation of numbers, making her think, hey, I have 10 eggs frozen when maybe three of them are immature and they actually only have seven. Mm. That's, yeah. Because you only really want the most viable options frozen. And then if you, like let's say you have a partner is the best option to actually fertilize the eggs with an embryo and then freeze the embryo? So it depends on where you're going because some laboratories do not have the same experience with egg freezing as they do with embryo freezing because I see. embryos are more stable. So they have all of the chromosomes. So if you think of walking on two legs, which an embryo would be, an egg is only limping on one mm-hmm. because it's only half of the equation. So they're very you know, easily damaged um, they're mostly water-based. So if they're not frozen appropriately, they can get ice crystal formation and you're not going to know that, right? It's, mm. you're not going to know that until you come back to use them. So you want to go to a facility that has experience in vitrification of eggs. Um, and in our facility, our percentages of success with egg freezing and embryo freezing are essentially the same. Other places throughout the United States that maybe don't have as much experience with egg freezing, they probably would suggest that you freeze an embryo if you have a partner because their success rates would be higher with that. Mm. For me personally, though, if I you know, wasn't sure about the partner I was with or if I didn't have a partner, I'd take the risk of freezing my own eggs so that I could be the choice of my sperm donor in the future. 100%. I don't want to you know, know who that person is. I don't want to have to just make that decision because the laboratory isn't as equipped to freeze eggs. So I'd rather find a facility that is equipped in doing it so that I have more control over it. No, that totally makes sense. Because then if you break up or whatnot, then your only options are with someone you're no longer with. You can't unfertilize them. You can't undo that. Okay, that's really interesting. There, 
there's just so much to this and it's really fascinating first of all like the fact that we even have this technology that we could do all of this is wild to me it blows my mind um I see a lot of people write in about just fears of having endometriosis it makes Mm -hmm. me so sad because it's like we have all these things that we have to worry about but um a lot of women are also really concerned about you know battling with endometriosis I know some women have it worse than others but is there anything you could speak to about that so I think with endometriosis again like you said it's there's different grades of it. There's different severities of it. Depends on where it's located. Um, but we typically do recommend anyone that has endometriosis, it's highly recommended that they freeze their eggs. Mm. Um, now, the treatment for endometriosis is not something we would do in a clinic like ours. That's obviously going to be treated by an ob or somebody that specializes in that. But if that tissue, you know, is affecting you know, the, a lot of what's going on down there, you definitely yeah. want to protect the ovaries so that they aren't affected as well. So we want to remove because you can get endometriomas on the ovary, which is just endometrial tissue there. Um, We would want to save as many eggs as we could if it was progressively getting worse. Mm, That makes sense. Okay. I'm going to pull up some responses that people wrote in on my phone so we could just wrap with any extra questions. Okay. Let's see. Oh, this one I actually got a lot too. People just want to know, and this might be a personal opinion, just about um, the vaccine and fertility effects. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't know, just like no one else. Exactly. Um, I can just tell you that the, the people that I've talked to, um, and the experts that I trust, you know, right now there's no direct correlation that can be found, but I think that's a personal thing, like you said, and you just have to talk to your doctors and people you trust to make that decision. Yeah. I know people that are trying to get pregnant and haven't gotten it. I know people that are trying to get pregnant and have, or other people that have had babies and they've had it and now they're breastfeeding and they're hoping the baby gets yeah. antibodies. Like I just think right. it's personal preference really. It is. I feel like there's just no research. It's too soon. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, okay. Let's see how we answered that one. Um, this is kind of interesting. We talked a little bit about this, but someone said, how young should you start learning about your fertility? So like when, or not even how young, but like, how do you even go about the first step of just learning about your fertility? So I feel like this is, you know, a good question or kind of, kind of leading into advocating for yourself, because if a 25 year old goes into her ob and says, I'm interested in freezing my eggs, the ob is probably not going to recommend it at that time, mm-hmm. right? Because she is young. But the thing is, the younger you do this, the better. You're going to have an increased chance of success if and when you come back to use them. It's going to be cheaper for you because you're not going to need as many eggs frozen mm-hmm. and you're not going to need as many medications. So I think that's when, you know, someone's going to have to say, I'm going to do some research and find a facility that I can be educated on this topic. Yeah. So at OVA, we offer all complimentary initial consults with a nurse. And the reason for that is because while I think egg freezing is amazing and I wish everybody would do it, it's not right for everybody. And that's okay. The point is to educate women on what their options are and what it means, the good and the bad, so that they can make a decision for themselves. So I feel like that's the best way to go about it is doing the research, calling, making an appointment with a facility, learning what your options are, and then making that decision of when you may want to do it. Um, that's what I would say step number one would be. 
Yeah, that's a good that's a good first step. And then something I got a few times, which I think is funny, people were like, if I freeze my eggs and then I get pregnant naturally, could mm-hmm. I sell them? Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> you, have, you do times. have some options <laughs> of what you can do with your eggs if you decide that you no longer want them. So you can just discard them, you can donate them to research, or you could donate them to another, you know, person, anonymous or no. Um, a lot of times if they are donated, then there is some sort of financial gain from it. I don't know exactly what it is or mm-hmm. how hard it is to do it, but the facility would be able to assist you with that. But I always tell people when they think they are done or if they get pregnant, think before you make that decision. Yeah. Because a lot of people are using these eggs for baby number two or three. It may not be for baby number one. We're always getting older. Our fertility is always going yes. down. And a lot of people, you know, want to, you know, continue to expand their family after the first baby. So you may want to keep them for that before you make that decision. But good question. (laughs) Whitney, this was so informative and so helpful. I feel like you were, I was thinking like, as I said this, I'm like, it's so funny. Her last name now is Angel because you just have like (laughs) this calming, amazing presence. You're helping all these people like It is just, you're like a godsend. So thank you. You are so sweet. No, thank you. And I mean, one thing I do just kind of want to say for everybody out there, just gather the knowledge, gather the information. I'm always willing to to talk to women and we can chat about how they can get that info. Yes, I love that. By freezing your eggs, you're not taking eggs away for what you would need in the future. So that's important to know. You're not decreasing your chances of Mm. getting pregnant naturally. You're losing eggs every single month, whether, you know, you're getting pregnant or not. So egg freezing is saving the eggs that you would have naturally lost this month or next month or whenever you did it. So it's preserving what you would have lost, not taking what you may need. So that's important to remember. So if people want to go to um, the place that you work, what's it called? Ovo? Ova. Ova. Ova Egg Freezing Specialty Do they have to come? Where are you? Like Chicago area? We're in Chicago and we see patients throughout the United States, throughout, we have a lot of people coming from Puerto Rico. Like I said, you want to go to a place that is specializing in that. So if that means you need to travel somewhere to me, if their success is going to be better, it's totally worth it. But a lot of stuff we can do remotely now. And we have, you know, the experience of working with the logistics. So if patients do have interest in either doing an initial consult or doing the ovarian reserve testing, we can assist them with doing that where they are locally. Um, and then if they want to do treatment, we make it as easy as possible for them to come and get it done. I love it. I definitely want to talk to you offline about maybe getting myself set up because I think, yeah, I feel like why not at this point? You just got to take that first step. And like you said, knowledge is power. There's nothing wrong with gaining the information and, you know, being proactive with your body. No, absolutely. Where can everyone follow you and, um, stay up to date? So on Instagram, um, Ova's website is at Ova Egg Freezing, and my personal is at WitB624. And then our website at Ova is OvaEggFreezing.com. And then our phone number is 312-800-0228. Awesome. Thank you so much, Whitney. This was so informative. Thank you. This was so fun. I want to just like stay on a chat. I know. I know. It was so fun. <laughs> Okay, guys, let's spill the tea because there's a lot to talk about. Why am I still not buying J-Lo and Ben, and ben Affleck? I was going to call them Benifer. I It just seems so staged. And it's so funny because I have a lot of friends 
in entertainment. And I put up something being like, why am I still not into JLo and Ben? And even my friends who are like reliable celebrity news sources DM'd me and were like, no, same. I'm, I'm really not into it. We all feel like it's really staged and like paparazzi staged. I don't know. It's just something isn't seeming authentic to me. My, my gut opinion is like, A-Rod embarrassed the hell out of Jennifer Lopez by hooking up with the reality star and cheating on her. So J-Lo's people were like, not our girl. She's too powerful for this. How can we get back at him? Oh, light bulb, Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck's people were like, oh yeah, he needs to clean up his image. He's always getting photographed, disheveled. There's all these rumors about him. We need to clean up, clean up his image. Okay, in walks Jennifer Lopez. Boom, let's pair them together. Let's stir up some nostalgia. I feel like I'm not talking clearly. Nostalgia. Let's let's strum up some nostalgia. Am I okay, guys? I don't know. Just just roll with me. Um, and then all of a sudden, paparazzi photos, one after the next, just keep coming out. And it's like the reason why it seems fake is because paparazzi like don't just hang out in the Hamptons at least I don't think like if you're getting seen together it's not like it's fans taking pictures of them being like oh Ben and Jen in the Hamptons it's like no staged photos I don't know hopefully it's real for their sake and if it is real I'm all about it something about it's just giving me really weird vibes Then I mentioned in the beginning of the episode that I want to finish watching Legacies. So to put it into perspective, I watched The the Vampire Diaries. The Vampire Diaries had a spinoff called The Originals. The Originals had a spinoff called Legacies. They are as good as the order that that they came out in. The Vampire Diaries is the best. The Originals is the second best. Legacies is not even a Hibley. It's just a hate it. It is so bad, like worse, like, and I have a low bar for television. I like bad TV because I just still find it entertaining. No, this isn't even entertaining. It almost seems like a parody because it's that bad, but I have to, I have to finish watching it at this point. I'm just like in it. So I'll probably finish legacies during this time off. Other shows that I've been binging, I just remembered there's so much Love Island UK I have to catch up on. And now I'm so excited. I know what I'm doing all day. So I'm going to catch up on Love Island UK. It's not airing yet in the US, um, but I bought like a VPN. So my computer thinks it's literally in the UK. So I'm able to watch it. And then um, I finished Too Hot to Handle. I want to get someone from the show on my pod. I DM'd Melinda last night because I just think she's freaking fabulous and so gorgeous. I finished Too Hot to Handle and I'm watching The Bachelor, obviously. I feel like those are like my main shows that I'm really watching right now. I also started listening to the One Tree Hill podcast that came out. And it's so funny because like they say they're nothing like their characters, but you almost can't separate it when you're listening. Like Peyton is so Peyton. Like she's just so Peyton. Even when she's talking, I'm like, all right, Peyton, chill. Um, Hillary Burton, it just reminds me so much of Peyton and Haley reminds me so much of Haley. Sophia Bush is the only one who's like maybe a little different than her character because 
in real life, she's just so intelligent. And I feel like her character, even though they make her intelligent as well, in the beginning, they make her like an airhead. But the podcast has been really interesting to listen to because I just love One Tree Hill. It's one of my probably top three favorite shows of all time. Um, So yeah, so that's what I'm watching these days. That's what I had to spill the tea on. I will be back next week and do Ask Alyssa again. Since I'm flying solo this week, I just didn't want to bother because, you know, I need Mackenzie here. I need the real equipment. But again, I just wanted to get this episode out to you guys because I love you so much. And I wanted you to have something to listen to while you're on the beach this week. Also, last thing. Don't forget that I have a new vlog out. I showed you guys me getting ready for a date, some of my company parties, some of my daily life that's on my YouTube. So follow me on Instagram, YouTube, and don't forget to DM me with the title, Ask Alyssa, so you could submit an anonymous question that I will answer on the podcast eventually. I try to get back to all of you and answer all of them. I usually do about three a week, so you could stay tuned for that. <laughs>